I think the best part about this little sketch that our team has put together is that uh, Nicole is nothing like that, <laughs> right? They say, well, you got another three hours to wait. She's like, okay, that's fine. Let's just do it. It's all good. Hey, I just wanted to give you some good news here. Ryan, will you bring me down, dude? Thanks, bro. Um, I can get some good news. You ready for this? Uh, there's 243 more days until Christmas. <laughs> Woo! Yes, Christmas will save everything. We leave our Christmas decorations up all year long and COVID goes away. Right? Even the governor said, but put them up and make people feel better. And so uh, Christmas is an interesting time of the year, right? And I think that it'll be uh, more interesting as we get closer to it again, because we'll uh, look forward to the things that we get to do that we didn't get to do or didn't choose to do uh, last time. Uh, maybe you think it's a little bit weird to start doing this countdown. Uh, you know, that uh, number came from Christmas countdown. To be honest with you, I didn't even know that that, I mean, I heard about a countdown, but I didn't really know it was a thing. I didn't really know that there was a website that all it did was count down to Christmas. So that's kind of neat. So you can go to christmascountdown.com. You might think it's a little bit weird to kind of look at that now, but there's some people that are already starting to organize their Christmas stuff because they just can't wait to be able to put it out. Uh, stores are doing that. Probably right after the spring decor, they're going to start putting up the Christmas stuff, right? That's just Eventually, stores are just going to get bigger and they're going to leave it out all year long because it's just coming out earlier and earlier. So let's just, let's just talk about this for a moment. When do you like to start listening to Christmas music? Raise your hand if you have to wait till December because it's a moral thing with you, right? <laughs> You're going, yeah, anytime before December. Somebody, who listens to Christmas music like in November? We'll go a little bit earlier. Who's listening to it right now? Right? <laughs> There's some people, I love Christmas music. Christmas music is so fun. Who puts up, who has to wait till December 1st to do decorating for Christmas? Who does it in November? Who would prefer to hang out with the Grinch? Come on, you're not really sure if you should or not. I would hang out with him. He needs Jesus, so he would hang out with him anyway. So, so we got this Christmas, man, Christmas decorating. Um, here's, here's an interesting thing. Today's conversation um, has absolutely nothing to do with Christmas, um, but it's talk, we're going to talk about waiting. We're talking about waiting. We're going to wrap up this series on waiting called Waitlisted, and it's one thing to wait for anticipation, right, for Christmas morning. It's one thing to wait until we can finally put stuff up. It's one thing to where we can finally start buying. That's a question. Who's buying for Christmas now? Right? The deals are happening right now, people. Get to it. And so um, we, we, we wait, we wait, the anticipation. It's one thing to wait. It's another thing to be fighting with people around you while you're waiting on something. So yeah, today we're not going to talk about Christmas, but we are going to talk about things that are associated with Christmas. Family, fighting, waiting, getting sick of waiting, and continuing to wait and wanting to just give up, right? So we have we, family comes together, anticipatory moments come together, and we're going to talk about a gentleman today that had a lot of waiting to do. Our big idea for today is if you're waiting on God, don't give up. Say that with me. If you're waiting on God, don't give up right? Don't give up. Just keep waiting. You, sometimes we get to a point where we say, listen, I'm just not going to wait 
any longer. I get it. I get it. I've been there in situations where I say, I'm just, I'm not waiting any longer. Like I've waited as long as I'm prepared to wait. And guess what? You actually have the opportunity to choose on whether or not you're going to continue to wait on God to come through for you. You get to choose that. You actually get the privilege of choice. That's what it all comes down to. You get to choose whether or not you're going to continue to trust God or not. Well, wait a second. No, 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 no. It's not a choice. It's a matter of them coming through. Yeah, but you get to choose whether or not you continue to wait on that individual or that situation. And obviously, in this context, waiting on God to come through for you in one way or another. Sermon title for today is simple. The struggle is hard. Can anybody relate to that? All right, we talked about uh, how the struggle was real. This is where we're talking about how the struggle is hard. Like, I'll acknowledge the struggle, but then to acknowledge the, 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 the challenge of getting through the struggle, it's hard. For the last few weeks, we've been talking a lot about waiting. And not just waiting, on Christmas, uh, waiting for Christmas Day, or waiting for someone to come through, or waiting for your unemployment, or waiting for the next situation, or waiting on the applicant, or waiting, waiting, waiting. Uh, it, it's not just talking about that, but, but we talked about how God has a plan, but you might have to wait for it. God actually does have a plan. It may not be the plan that you think he should have. It may not look like the plan you already had laid out, and you're just asking God to bless it. But God has a plan. You just might have to wait for it. Now, while you're waiting, God is faithful. While you're waiting, God is still coming through. You may not see it all, but he's still working. You may not feel it all, but he's still planning. He's still getting it all together. In fact... He already has this plan laid out. You know, before the creation of the world, he had this, he had it all figured out. Wouldn't it be nice to just always have it figured out, right? That means that you actually don't need that manual for raising children that we wish we had or that manual for your spouse to understand that person. Like you just already have it figured out. God already has it figured out. If you don't believe that, your view of God is so small, it's why you struggle how, as hard as you do. Now, while we're waiting, God is listening. Obi John did a great job last week talking about how God is listening. He's listening. He's listening. And guess what? I guess in, in his own way, he's waiting on you too. And he's listening, waiting for the conversation, anticipating that moment, wanting and desiring. Now, of course, because he knows it all. I don't know if it works the same way with God. I don't know. But what I do know is that Scripture is clear, is that he's listening. He's got a plan, he's faithful, and he's always listening. But let's be honest. Sometimes when we've been waiting and waiting and waiting, somebody say waiting, we just get tired of it. Right? I'm just, I'm so over. There's a phrase in our family that we're trying to push out of our family, but it is in deep. We say, I am done. Can anybody relate that? That's it. That's the statement. I am done. We say bold statements. That's it. You don't like what I make? I will never cook for you again as long as I live. I am done. Fine, you don't like the way that I clean the house? I'm done. Oh, you don't like the sermon? I'm coming back next week, you know, really. 
you don't really get a, a choice on that, I guess. Right? I'm done. I'm tired of waiting on your appreciation and your response. I'm tired of waiting on this or waiting on you to come through. I'm absolutely done. It just gets harder and harder. And I think the reason why it gets harder is the, is the way that our minds work. Because we start hearing lies. You know, if you don't know the story, you make up the story. And so that's why it's important for you to know the truth and the facts. When I hear somebody say, well, it's possible that, or I think that, you probably just went down, you're just about to go down a road that's not even helpful or truthful, and you have no idea, but you're trying to put context to the situation. So I encourage you to seek out truth when you're waiting. Seek out truth, which is the simplicity. This is as simple as it gets people. We want flashy. We want fun. We want over the top. Here's how simple it is. Read your Bible. There's the truth. Pray to our Heavenly Father. He knows the truth. It's that simple. But we have gotten so caught up in things that get us riled up that we want that emotional high all the time. And at the end of the day, we're supposed to just keep on doing it. I had a conversation in prayer this week about, to, to God about, are we supposed to just keep doing this? Are we supposed to just keep at it? Are we supposed to just keep, like, is there not, like, another thing? Is there, am I missing something? Am I not doing something? Like, I'm just curious. I have a question. Lord, help me understand. Are we supposed to just keep going? Yeah. You just keep pushing. Keep showing up. Keep reading. Keep praying. Keep going to those appointments. Keep having those conversations. Just keep doing it. You're going, well, that doesn't sound fun. Yeah, Jesus didn't say, follow me, it'll be fun. He said, follow me. And he left out the rest. He just said, I don't know why. I wish he would have been like, now here's all the benefits that you'll accrue, right? And, and, and it wasn't until after they decided to follow him that he started explaining the fulfillment of it all. They just kind of missed it. There's so many reasons why we might want to give up hope. Maybe you've been trying so hard, but nothing seems to change. Maybe you've tried to make wise choices, but the people around you don't seem to support you, right? Maybe you've been clean for a year, and the people just aren't buying it. Yeah, you've been clean for a year before, and that's hard because you want to give up hope. Don't give up. Other people's emotions should not affect your behavior. Don't give up. Your family's a mess and doesn't seem like it's getting any better. Don't give up. Keep showing up every day, especially when you feel alone, unsupported, even abandoned by others. It's not always easy to believe that we can keep going when we've already spent so much time Waiting, waiting, I'm waiting. I wish there would just be a completion. I wish there would be a light. Waiting would be easier if there was always a light at the end of the tunnel rather than me feeling like I'm just in a dark cave, right? So like I want to know that there's an end in mind because if I, if I know the end goal, then I feel like I can wait better. Do you feel that? Right? So like people that have been in school for a long time, um, they know, hey, I see 
Right, seniors? Right. I see it. I'm getting out of there. I'm just curious, as a high schooler, did you ever have those, inv- those visions of like standing up in the middle of your worst class and like letting the teacher have it and going? <laughs> I'm just saying that's not a good idea. I'm just saying if you ever envisioned it. No, don't do it because they may hold back your graduation. Don't do that. Just get done, right? Don't do anything dumb. Just keep moving forward. But we have these, I'm just done waiting. Oh, when I leave, you've done this with a job. On my last day, you know what I'm going to do? You're laughing because you thought of it. You probably thought, and it, was, it didn't have anything to do with the balloons. It didn't have anything to do with the cupcakes. It had everything to do with you telling them that they're number one. They're number one, right? You know what number one is? Never mind. And so you, it was the idea of actually kind of screwing them over, if you will. Like when you leave, they're going to feel my loss. And so we have these thoughts, but at the end, it really just came down to, you're waiting, and it got hard, and we want to blame people for having to wait, and wait, and wait. Well, the waiting is over. We're going to get to the meat of today. We're going to talk about the biography, a little bit, the biography of Joseph. You can turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 37, where you can kind of make notes and kind of see, I'm going to give you an overview of this because we're actually going to uh, learn some information about chapters 37 and chapters 39. I'm not going to read these chapters to you. This is wonderful reading when you're on your own, not when we're sitting in a venue such as this. I'm going to uh, kind of brief it together for you. But it's good for you to see where it's coming from in Scripture. It's good for you to kind of pick some of those things out, if you should choose, and make notes. We've been talking about waiting during really difficult periods. We said that God has a plan. We said that He is faithful and He's listening. And today, we're looking at the idea that we're not supposed to be giving up. And Joseph has a remarkable story. It's going to be hard to grasp. It's going to be hard to receive. So we'll try to make this understandable in a way that may be something you've experienced. This is what Joseph experienced in his life. Now, Joseph's story begins in the book of Genesis chapter 37. Genesis chapter 37 And he's about 17 years old when we hear about this story. Now, Jacob is the brother of Esau. So we have Jacob and Esau there. We're just talking about Jacob, and we're talking about uh, Jacob's son, Joseph, today. In some translations, you'll see that Jacob's name is interchangeable with the name Israel. That would be a wonderful study for you to understand. There are three people in the Old Testament that we know for sure, uh, all within the same family that had a name change. We talked about them, Abraham, Sarah, and now Jacob being renamed Israel. That would be a wonderful thing for you to kind of go over this week and see, God, why, why do you do those things? So here we are. Jacob had a son in his old age. His name is Joseph. And this was, we tease in our family about who the favorite is. And so this actually was uh, Jacob's favorite. He made it very clear. That one right there? It's my favorite. Today you're not supposed to do that. You'll cause trauma to your children. But then um, they didn't know about that. They didn't understand what that meant. In fact, Jacob, Israel, loved Joseph so much that he made him the most beautiful robe. 
the coat of many colors. And he wore it. Today, I don't know that a 17-year-old would wear a coat that I made out of many colors. But this was a very culturally significant thing that dad did. Um, you know what? Let's say, hey, 17-year-old, I love you so much. You're my favorite. Here's a brand new Tesla. Right? There's a few people that understand what that means, and that's for them, right? The rest of us are like, just give me something that runs. And so Joseph, Joseph got this coat, and he went around to his brothers like the baby of the family would. Hey, look what dad got me. Look what dad got me. And his brothers despised Joseph. In fact, Scripture says that they flat out hated him. You ever have somebody in your life or your family where you just could not stand that person? Would you go as far as to say that you hated that person? Mm, they absolutely disliked Joseph. In fact, Joseph had dreams. God would give him these wonderful visions, prophecies, if you will, that, uh, hey, brothers, I had a dream. I had a dream. This was like the original I had a dream speech. And he didn't just have one. He had multiple dreams. And the baby of the family, thinking that the world does revolve around them, goes to the big brothers and says, hey, guess what? I had a dream, and I want to tell you about my dream. We were out in the field, and we were tying up bundles of grain, and suddenly my bundle stood up, and your bundles, like, gathered around and bowed down before me. We hate you, Joseph. <laughs> Do you hear what I said? Right? Like, they get so excited, and he's telling these stories, and the brothers would just despise, despise, despise this Joseph. And he had another dream. And he thought it was a good idea to go back and tell this dream again. So he says, hey, guys, I had a dream. And this time he told his dad too. And his dad, Jacob, um, got a little bit annoyed as well. Says, hey, the sun, the moon, and the 11 stars bowed down before me. And even his dad, Jacob, said, you know, the one that loved him more than anyone else. And he said, Wait a second, you mean to tell me, you really think that me and your mother, we're going to bow down before you? You're crazy. That's not in there, but that's, I mean, that's a thought process. If your, if your son came to you and said, guess what, you're all going to bow down before me, you probably would think a little bit, he's kind of crazy. Now, of course, brothers are jealous. Dad's not really helping the situation by calling out about how much I love that one, because when you emphasize so much on just one, by default, you cast out the others, and nothing but jealousy wells up inside of you. Jealousy, and, and I'm talking jealousy, have you ever seen jealousy get so ugly? Come on, let's be real. Let's call it for what it is. We are not a casual church family. We're getting into it today. If you've seen jealousy, you probably saw it in the mirror. Mm-hmm. I know I've been there. Oh, I've been there. Oh, man, I wish that I had. Oh, I wish this could be. Oh, I wish this was. Not to say that we're not grateful. We're just, we're wishing and dreaming until it begins to affect us in such a way that it messes with our relationships and actually keeps us from doing life the way we're supposed to. And jealousy just creeps in time and time again. Well, the jealous brothers are off in the field and dad, uh, Jacob, says, hey, Joseph, come here. 
I'm going to send you out to the brothers, and I want you to like check in on them, make sure everything's going okay, and kind of look in. And, and Joseph says, all right, I'm ready to go. What a great attitude. Yeah, I'm ready to go. Let's do it. Send me whenever you're ready. Now, when Joseph's brother saw him, right, I could just imagine Joseph just kind of coming down there, looking at him. He had his little coat on, and he's just walking down, and his brothers see him. And this is what they say. They say, oh, here comes the dreamer. Here he comes. And that wasn't a positive thought. Like they, they weren't saying, oh, look, here comes. No, no, no. Here they come. Here he comes. <clears throat> and they gather together. Hey, let's kill this guy. I'm, that's the way it went. That's the way it went. We probably don't do it as much today um, this way because there's laws against it. But we still have these thoughts of, how can I avoid? How can I get rid of? How can I go away from? Jesus popped on the scene, up, oh, jumping forward, and he said, even if you think about it, you've done it. Ah, right? So in our hearts, we have done what the brothers are about to try. So let's not think for a second that, woo, we're not as bad as they are. We're actually right there with them. So they make this plan. Hey, let's take him out. And, and Reuben, uh, one of the older brothers, probably the second oldest, I believe, he said, hey, you know what? Let's not do that. He's actually trying to protect him a little bit here. He says, let's just throw him down the well. <laughs> okay, Reuben, we'll throw him down the well. Now, Reuben was thinking he was going to come back and he was going to take Jacob out of, I'm sorry, Joseph out of the well. And so he had this plan. Okay, let's just put him down there. They threw him down the well, and he hit the bottom. There was no water in it, so this hurt because those wells would go pretty deep. Reuben and they all, they all kind of go off. But some of the brothers, they, without Reuben, they came back. And they were thinking while they were eating. Can you imagine the heart of a person to be so hateful? So hateful that while they're eating... They're plotting. You know as well as I do that when your stomach gets kind of in a knot, so you're feeling upset or you're kind of down about something, it's hard to really eat at times. But these guys were planning the demise of their brother, and they're just sitting there eating. Yeah, so this is what we're going to do. And so they go back and uh, caravan, caravan of Ishmaelites comes down. These are traders. Not like people that abandon people, but like they trade goods. Now, you remember that? Does that sound familiar? Ishmaelites? Consider this with me for a moment. We learned about Abraham and Sarah. God gave him a promise of a son. And Sarah thought, oh, God's not coming through. I'm going to help the situation out. Great. And here we are. Ishmael, a product of Abraham and Hagar, and they were cast out. 182 years later, the descendants of Ishmael, the Ishmaelites, come along and they say, hey, why don't we sell this Joseph to the Ishmaelites? See how it all intertwines. Your life can affect somebody 182 years from now, for good or for bad. Don't miss this. 
The decisions you make today, when you die, your decisions are not over. They just keep being carried out. So the Ishmaelites show up. <clears throat> the brothers got a great idea. Hey, I got an idea. Let's sell him to the Ishmaelites. And the Ishmaelites had spices, and um, it even says in one translation, gum. But it's not the gum you're thinking. This is uh, sap that comes from a tree that kind of hardens, and then they use it in different spices, and they use it in different aromas and things of that nature. Uh, but these are just different things that they would sell, different things that they would carry with them in order to be able to trade. So here we are, back to our story. Ishmaelites are coming and say, hey, let's sell Joseph to them. Can you imagine what Joseph must be feeling or experiencing right now? He's at the bottom of the well, and he's got to be hearing something going on. I don't know, maybe. Um, I, they weren't overly quiet about the fact that they were going to do anything to him. And now they kind of pull him up. I wonder if there was a moment where that Joseph thought that the brothers were kind of like remorseful, right? Because he had to get out of the well, so somebody had to have helped him. Maybe the Ishmaelites did, uh, but perhaps maybe the brothers were like, hey, let's, let's help you out here. Let's get you up here. And boom, there you go. And sell him. And off he goes. He's now sold into slavery. Joseph was loved so dearly by his father, great visions of what God was going to do in his life, and yet he was hated and plotted against, thrown in a well, and now up to this point, sold into slavery. God, why don't you love me anymore? Life got hard. Don't we say that? Don't we say that? Hey, life got hard. Somebody left me. Somebody doesn't talk to me anymore. Somebody wrote me a bad note. Somebody stole my money. Somebody this, somebody that. God, are you even paying attention? Well, yeah. Life is happening. Life is happening. So don't judge. So this, I, I, could, I could just hear God saying, don't judge my character based on the world's response. My character, God would say, is solid. It's never changing. This is who I am. Just because they're acting differently than I do doesn't mean that I change. It just means that they're in a sinful world and they're carrying out their sinful desires. But I have not changed. Read it. Check it out. So, we jump up to chapter 39. We're going to jump over, and the whole, rest of the, the whole rest of Genesis, you can actually bring this story together more and more. So they're on their way to Egypt, and they get there. And when Joseph was taken to Egypt by the Ishmaelite traders, he was purchased by Potiphar. So now he goes into this, uh, he goes into this huge, beautiful palace, um, and he's, uh, the, Potiphar is an Egyptian officer here. Potiphar was a captain, or he was going to be an Egyptian officer, Joseph. Potiphar was a captain of the guard for Pharaoh and the, uh, the king of Egypt. So this is kind of a big deal that Joseph would even be a part of this. Like, how did you even get into this? But the Lord was with Joseph. That phrase right there is, is repeated continually um, throughout here. You'll see it. Uh, the Lord was with. The Lord was with. Now, that word with is not just just together. There was a closeness. The word actually means there was this closeness where the Lord was close 
to Joseph. And everything that Joseph did prospered. Everything that he experienced, everything, God was making it go better and better and better. Uh, so, so Potiphar was pleased. He was pleased, and he was like, you know what? I'm going to make you in charge of, like, everything. And so as Joseph was in charge of everything that Potiphar had, Potiphar got the blessing from God. And things were going good. And then Potiphar's wife noticed Joseph. And she goes up to Joseph and tries to entice him to do what you should not do. She says, come on, just be with me. And Joseph, in his character, he says, it would be a sin against God. He had such a wonderful view of his relationship with the Lord that his focus wasn't just a sin, that it was actually going to hurt someone else's feelings, but that it was actually a sin against God. But Potiphar's wife is not used to being told no. So he said no, and time and time and time again, Scripture says that she pursued him and pursued him and pursued him. And on the final time that she pursued him, she was getting kind of just mad, and then she grabbed the coat that he had on, and he noticed, and he, I, I could have, I just picture this, she, she grabbed the coat, and she said, come on, here we go, and he goes, ah, and he runs away. I don't know if he made that sound, but... You notice on the first inner, inner, inner encounter, the, the encounter here that he had a conversation with her. He was preparing to start saying no. And then he got used to saying no. It became his practice to say no. Initially, it was like, well, you know, understand this isn't right. Understand it's a sin against God. You know, understand that, you know, Potiphar has been so good to me. This would not be right. He had a conversation. And then he kept saying no over and over and over and over again to the point to where I don't know that it got easier as much as it got, it got faster to say no. So scripture is very clear that she grabbed his coat and he said no and he ran away. The more you say no to what you know you're not supposed to be doing, the faster the no response will come. You need to practice your no. Ready? Let's practice. One, two, three. You've got to practice your no. The more you use it, the stronger it'll become. There are situations in your life that you have been saying no to, and you're easily able to just say no, and you move on. There are other situations where you need to get to a point where you are running and screaming away from the situation. No, I'm out of here. You may look like a fool, but it would be better for you to be in right standing with God looking like a fool to people than to be raised by people and to displease the Lord. It's okay for you to look like a fool. What's that fool doing? I'm just trying to, I'm staying out of trouble. That's all I know. And so Potiphar's wife was like, nope, I'm not doing this anymore. This, I'm done waiting. Oh, guards. Joseph came in 
And um, yeah, he, he said things to me. And he was in such a hurry to leave after he said these things to me, he left his coat. Brought Potiphar in. I can't imagine this is the first time that Potiphar's wife tried this. But Potiphar went, he did? Put him in jail. And Joseph's now in jail. Joseph is yet to show himself within this, these passages that he did anything to warrant that. And now he's in jail. He's in jail for a number of years. And while he's in jail, the Lord was with him and began to be in charge of all those who were in jail. And he took care of those. In fact, uh, the, the warden was very pleased with Joseph and Joseph was in charge. What? Up and down, up and down, up and down. Now, there's no reason to finish the rest of the story. You can read the rest of it all the way through Genesis chapter 50 if you choose to. Because the rest of the story is really not the point. The point here is to understand how we respond. The point here is today we're talking about what to do when you're sitting in the dark waiting for help, looking for hope, uncertain about your future. The point today is to understand that when craziness around you is happening, that you can still be faithful in your faith. You say, well, my faith is really weak right now. Well, what are you doing to strengthen it? My running is not where I want it to be. So in order to prepare for the next race, what do I need to do? I need to run. Your faith is weak, you say? How do you strengthen your faith? You work it out. You use it. Even in the little things. And acknowledge what you're doing. You, you, you strengthened your faith right now. You didn't even know it. You're sitting in these seats you believed would hold you. You're going, well, that's kind of a dumb thing to say. We have faith all the time. It's the faith object that we need to focus on. Man, I've got faith. You got so much faith in so many things, but then all the stuff around you kind of crumble, crumbles around and the world is in chaos and, and we say, God, where are you? And yet you still get in your car without a question and start it right up and go because you had faith that it was going to do it and you didn't even question it. Imagine if we trusted God the way we trust what we sit in where we don't even doubt it. You see a seat, you assume it'll be fine, and you sit down. Not a single one of you tested the structural integrity of where you're sitting. Why? You don't know what we did to these seats while you were gone all week. But it never crossed your mind. Why? Because it hasn't failed you yet. 
first time you sit down and you go through that seat, you'll start checking. You understand when you sit with God, we act like we fell through. And we never did. We treat our belief in a God like he's a broken chair. And yet we have the nerve to call ourselves believers. Because you show up on Sundays and you serve and you give. I don't care about that. I care, God cares that when you're at home and you're going over your budget, that you say, Lord, I don't see it, but I see you. And so I choose to believe somehow it's going to be all right. It's going to be okay. I don't know what okay looks like, but I know it's going to be okay. The point today is to understand that if you're waiting on God, don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. Say that with me. Don't give up. Say better. Don't give up. Look to the person next to you and say, don't give up. That's what the church looks like, church. When you see somebody giving up or doing something easy or doing something different than what Scripture teaches us, you say, whoa, don't give up. Be encouraged. No, 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 it's okay. Keep going. Let's do it. Let's empower each other. So let's look at our next steps. What are you waiting on right now? What are you waiting on right now? We'll keep going because God's not finished yet. Right? That's so surfacey. Don't don't give up. Keep going because God's not finished yet. Great. How do I do that? How do I not give up? You got to keep showing up. That's how you do it. Day in and day out. I've known people that work jobs for over 45 years. And the reason why they did is because they did. Because they kept showing up. They kept pursuing it. Here's how. Here's how you keep going. Talk to God. Drop my little communion thing here. Grab this. Grab your communion here. Here's how you don't give up. Just hold on to it for a minute. Waiting. When you do communion, the goal is to examine. Examine yourself. Okay? Talk to God and don't stop. Right now, I want you to have a moment. I want you to talk to the Lord and say, Lord, 
examine me. Lord, examine me. Is there anything unclean in me? Is there any relationship not right as far as it depends on me? Examine me. Now the Lord's going to say something to you. And if there is something that is not right, deal with it right now with God. Ask for forgiveness. And if you can't settle it right here and right now, put your cup down. Now's not the time for this. Only you know between you and God where you stand. Believers are called to the sacrament of communion. If you're not there yet, that's fine. Don't act like you are. Call it for what it is. So talk to God and don't stop. Talk to other people. What do you mean you talk to other people? What does that even mean? Sharing community. This is what this means. Look around you. We're sharing this memory right now with each other. You can't see these lovely faces in the balcony, but I do. They're there and they're under the, people are under you too. And what we're doing right now is we're, we're talking to others. We're sharing in community with one another. That's how you don't give up. Remember that God is stronger then you think, let's not be deceived. The bread that we eat represents the body that was broken in a fashion that we will never comprehend. And so as we eat of this not-so-good-tasting wafer, It's not about that anyway. It's about the memory of his body being broken. So when you eat this, understand and remember what he did for you on the cross. You see, he's stronger than you think. Not only was his body beaten and bruised, every last drop of his human blood poured out for the forgiveness of sins. And so as we drink this juice, it's about remembering that he poured out everything for us. Take this common drink to your comfort. Remember, you're stronger than you think. You were created in the image of God. You were created in the image of the Creator. You are created for eternal life. 
You are a spiritual being living in a physical body. You are stronger than you think. Not because of who you think you are, but because of who Christ says you are. It is all through Him that we have any strength at all to do anything that we can. It's all focused on Him. When we put too much focus on what I did, what I can do, we, get, we, get, we start boasting about it, we start getting excited. Oh, look at me, look at me. The only reason you're here today is because the good Lord gave you one more chance. Don't act like you're going to do stuff this week. Say, hey, if the Lord should allow, we will do stuff this week. He is ultimately in control. So when you're home and it's quiet, and you're doubting because you're waiting, choose hope. You're going to choose a lot of things in your life. You're going to choose ways to medicate yourself, choose to distract yourself, choose to avoid things within yourself. How about you just choose hope? Choose hope. And let Christ indwell you richly. Galatians 6, 9 says, so let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, which may not be your time, may not be my time, but it will be his time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if if we don't give up. Go one more day. In the name of Jesus. Father, we've been with you right now. Thank you for being present. Thank you for working on my heart in spirit. Thank you for working on our hearts in spirit. For those here today that have work to do after we leave, I pray that they will do it immediately to make whatever it is wrong right. I pray for those that have said that it's all good they remember this and they will seek a right relationship with you daily, not every once in a while or once a month at communion time. Daily. So the next time an opportunity comes where we're going to take communion together, we've already examined our hearts. We've already talked it over with you. We've already done everything that we possibly can do to honor you. And so now we come to celebrate and remember what you've done. Instill that in our hearts. As you were with Joseph, be with us today. Amen. Now, will you please stand and receive the blessing of the Lord as we head out here today? Next week begins a brand new series called Anthem. We're going to learn about worship. We're going to worship a lot. And we're going to grow because of it. Now receive God's blessing. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord shine his face upon you and be gracious to you. 
the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Now go and be the church.